Ja, das. Gut. Alright, I'm going to start with a story. One day, there was a young boy, and he was playing in the park. And um, he, was, he moved around the park, and he came to a tree. And under the tree on the grass, there was a little cocoon lying in between the grass blades. And um, him being curious, he picked it up, and he put it in the palm of his hand. And to his excitement, he saw there was some movement in this cocoon. And he clicked, okay, okay, it's the caterpillar that's ready to come out as the butterfly. And he went and sat flat on the grass, cross-legged, and he just looked at this cocoon the whole time. After about 15 minutes, he could see a little hole in the, you know, on the side of the cocoon you know, forming. And he sort of looked in there and he could see, but you know, there's a, a butterfly trying to come out. But after about an hour, this little butterfly ha didn't emerge yet. And he started getting worried because he could see this little thing struggling and struggling to get out. And he was getting concerned. He thought, no, this little thing is going to die. I must help him. And in his pocket, he had a little knife, a little pocket knife. And he started opening that little hole bigger and bigger and bigger. And um, after a while, the, the butterfly crept out. And as the butterfly came onto his hand, he was deeply, deeply disappointed. It was a little fat, it looked like a little fat worm with little small wings. And he sat there and he was so disappointed. And at that time, an old man crossed his pathway. And the old man actually bent over this boy. And he looked and the old man smiled. And he said to him, um, oh dear, this butterfly is going to be dependent on you for the rest of its, its existence. And the young boy looked up at the old man, very puzzled. And the old man said to him, you see, by taking away the butterfly's struggle, you took away his independence. The struggle is part of the caterpillar's process to turn into a beautiful butterfly. Having to struggle through that narrow hole, it actually forces the fluids of the caterpillar's body to push into his wings. And as he struggles through that hole, that's the process that happens. So that's when he comes out, his wings are big enough to fly away. So by opening the hole, you took away this vital process of the butterfly's wings, and so he will never be able to fly again. The first time I heard this story, I was about 28, 29, very young believer at that stage, and I tell you, it hit me in the gut. Because at that stage, I clicked. Okay, so struggle is part and parcel of life. And let's face it, we always want a happy life, am I right? Stress free, you know, little angels singing here at the back, nothing going wrong. But as we all know, life is not, not that peachy. So struggle is a part of our life. And that story literally changed me to the core. It actually changed some values in me. And my outlook and my actions also actually changed. So when I... I get to a struggle because it's not if, it's when. When I get to a struggle, I actually see this picture of an 1800 
farmland with muddy fields and this ox standing there and I'm behind it, you know, with those 1800 plows and I'm just plowing. And it, I just always tell myself, head down, keep on keeping on. So th that, that's how I now go when I get a struggle or when I click I am in a struggle. It also changed my approach towards my bipolar dad that time as well. I also approached him differently. I didn't feel guilty anymore with my dad and um, I could handle his, his ups and downs because I knew he also had to have a certain kind of struggle. I, I mustn't take it away from him. Also, I counsel a lot of teenagers and my counseling, my guidance that I gave them started changing tremendously. You know, you, you don't sympathize too much with the struggle now. You like listen to it and you say, okay, so what are we going to do about this, you know? And also when someone asked me to, oh, I'm, going, I'm struggling so much, please pray that it's away. A simple example of that is usually the teenagers like, we, we're writing a test tomorrow, can you please play, pray for the test? And I'm like, let's pray that your bum sits on that chair and you study, you know. So you also pray differently to people with struggles. You don't pray it away because they have to go through it. I always see this little hole and I'm seeing they must now struggle through this hole. So I'm going to repeat myself. No one wants struggles in their lives, yet we will never escape a struggle. And guess what, believers? Our life manual, our Bible, is soaked with struggle narratives. And now when I did my, my um, preparations, when I wrote down narratives, I just wanted to say I want to thank Gwedi Mantash for making the word narrative very popular. But anyway, <laughs> all right, so there's a lot of struggle narratives in the Bible. So let's look at one of them. And it's already in Genesis 32 from verse 24. So if your Bible is close by, your app is open, but this is the part that I'm going to read. And I just want to give you a bit of a background too there. So quickly look at me. Focus here. Um, so it's about Jacob. Now Jacob is Isaac and Rebekah's son. And his grandfather's Abraham. So, I mean, Abraham, Isaac, it's those big names. Okay. He had a twin brother, Esau. Yes, so? How do you say it in English? Esau. Esau. That's right. It claims it's Igor, I'm pretty. <laughs> All right, Esau. But Esau was the manly man. He had the hairy hands, and Jacob was the guy in the kitchen helping his mom. But Jacob was a, a deceiver. But his mom, he also listened a lot to his mom, and he eventually deceived his twin brother, and, and he received the blessing from Isaac and not Esau. Esau. And he had to then obviously leave the area where they lived, because Esau, being the manly man, wanted to hunt him down now. So for 20 years he left. He went actually and lived with Laban. That was Rebecca, his mom's, um, his mom's brother. And there he got deceived. He's the guy that had to marry the older sister that he didn't know. I mean, how do you don't know? But I think it was the veils and stuff those times. Thank you, hon. And, uh, and then he married the lady he loved. But it took seven years uh, to marry the, the wrong sister, and then he could marry the right one. But he was very prosperous there. You know, um, he had a lot of slaves as well, and, and, and the, his animals, you know, he had a lot. So he became very wealthy. And eventually he, he moved away from Laban, but also with the wish of reconciling with his brother. And he sent messages ahead to his brother saying, um, I'm going to submit to you. But he didn't know what his brother's reaction was going to be, because the last time he remembered, his brother wanted to cut his, you know, his head off or whatever. And we pick up the story where he, he has just sent his wives and his slaves and the, and the animals uh, over the river. 
And he's sort of now alone. I think he wanted to have time out, you know, from everything. You know, maybe a little fire and just look at the stars. So let's look what happened from verse 24. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Verse 26, then the man said, let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. And it's funny, up until this point, Jacob was a deceiver. I mean, the first time someone asked, when you start reading about it, what's your name? Esau. This is the first time he says it's Jacob. So he owns his name for the first time. And then, the moment he owns his name, verse 28, then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. It's powerful. And I'll get to that verse again later. And guess what is the, some of the, what is the root words of Israel? The two root words is God and wrestle. That's where the word Israel came, comes from. Or as the Jews say it, Yisrael. They say with a J, Yisrael. And as you know, Jacob's 12 sons were the 12 tribes of the Israelites. All right. So it is not surprising at all that the stories of the Israelites were full of struggles throughout the Bible. It's like it's char characterized in them. Israel, God, wrestle, struggles, all right. Just think about it, Egypt, slaves, they were slaves. Then they ran away. Then it was 40 years in the desert that should have taken two weeks. Did you know that? I didn't know that. Two weeks they could have gotten to the promised land. It took them 40 years. So if you were five years old, you were 45 when you got to the promised land. Um, and then to get the promised land, there was constant wars the whole time with the pagan nations. And then it's like the story of Esther. You know, the Jews were going to be killed. Then it's the story of Daniel. He was one of the guys that the slaves, they were taken away. So there was constant struggle. And it's on and on and on and on with the Israelites. So struggle is ingrained in this nation's character, even to this day. I mean, 70 years after Jesus was crucified, the Romans were hotful of the Jews. They, you know, this is, this is a problem nation. All right, we are going to just destroy them. So they burned Jerusalem down. And I mean, Jerusalem was the heart of the Jews' life. So they burnt it down. Their sacred temple was burnt down. Thousands of Jews were killed, and the rest were taken as slaves. 1,878 years later, in 1948, just the other day, David Ben-Gurion, and that's also the name of, of the airport, by the way, in uh, Tel Aviv. David Ben-Gurion, head of the Jewish agency, proclaimed the establishment of the state of Israel, 1,878 years later. So for thousands of years, the Jews have been refugees forever. They've been in conflicts forever, World War II being the most famous one, am I right? That's when I started learning about the Jews in any way, or clicking. Oh, okay, right. And um, also in the 1948 upwards, the Israeli Defense Force started making their mark, the IDF army. And even till this day, and I know a friend of mine, 
he works for a, a home agency and there's lots of Jew ladies there that sell home. And her son, it was a great honor for him two years ago to go to his, his army years. I think they do three army years, am I right? And it didn't make sense to me because he's South African. Why must he go and fight a fight there now? I understand that because I was so upset for the mom's part, you know. Why send a person away and it's not even his country but? All right, so, so the IDF is, is, a, is a major player and we hear still of them. And then obviously a few weeks ago, the Holocaust was remembered again. And one of my friends is a Jew and he put the following on Facebook and it makes sense more and more. Um, today is a very difficult day for us. We have to be strong mentally and physically. Be strong as people and never relive such a tragedy. Today we remember six million Jews murdered by the Nazi regime. And this is the most imp uh, or interesting for me. He says here, the Torah teaches us that in every generation there will be someone who, who wants to exterminate us. This is why we have to remember our history, our tradition and educate our children making them strong people, teach them to defend what is ours and to deal with anyone who wants to harm us, proud to be Jewish. Guys, it's ingrained in them. Till the second, it's there. And it's interesting, they learn that every, there will be, every generation there will be something. So, at this point, when, when I was preparing for my teaching, I, I started getting a bit anxious because, you know, for me, it, it's like this, this struggle narrative is a bit negative now. It, it, it was hanging heavy, heavy, heavy on my shoulders because this struggle thing isn't nice. Um, so, you, you know, when you prepare for teaching, you, you know, you listen to podcasts and read Google and you do this and that. And I came across a podcast where I listened to a rabbi, a young rabbi, Joel, and he was speaking about his favorite words. And he was speaking about the word Israel. But he put some, some light on the, on the struggle. And he was actually so excited talking about the struggle. And it sort of changed my mind. And he said a few very, very, very profound things. So he said, um, struggle is a positive, wonderful, and life-affirming piece of what it means to be alive. So this is a Jew with all this background that I gave you. And I'm just going to repeat it again. Struggle is a positive, wonderful, and life-affirming piece of what it means to be alive. We always wanted to be happy and peaceful. But the moment you start struggling, it's like you, you become present. You become into the moment. But he also said the following, you have to struggle in order to really find yourself. You never develop and you never know who you are until you've gone through a struggle because then you look back and you're like, okay, so that's my character. Okay, so I could do that. I never thought, you know, you go through that. He also said if you are not doing that, you can't really live. So he says if you don't struggle, you can't really live. And if the Jews say they are the people of Israel, they are talking about the need to struggle to question. And I liked, I liked it when he said that because every time we struggle, and you guys can definitely identify with me here, every time you struggle, you, it's like you, you, you get closer and closer to the floor. You're on your knees constantly and you're in a conversation with God constantly. And usually the question, why, comes up. All right. So this struggle pushes you into that, you in that cocoon and it starts pushing you through that hole. Okay, because you're that little fat caterpillar still. 
When you start struggling, you're that, all right? And when you're in that struggle, the questions do arrive, and that is what it means to be alive. If you start asking questions, it's good. It's good. So, the question is here, can you really fail if you are struggling with the divine? Because a lot of people get a fright. I'm questioning God. You know, uh, am I still a believer? And you know what? You cannot fail if you struggle with God. He's the best to struggle with. He can take it, by the way. Any swear word he's heard before. All right. I promise you that. And back and forth. <laughs> you know, back and forth with him. And, and you get through it. And you become slightly wiser. And you become trusting of yourself. Because you're pushing through that little hole in the cocoon. All right. Now, and if we look back at Jacob again, he, 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 he didn't fail. He got blessed. He kept on wrestling through the night. And he said to that guy, you will not leave me until you bless me. All right. But this is now where I want to get back to. And I want um, Neil Stutz to put up verse 28 again. Because that last verse, I want to get to that one. So if we read that last verse, Niels, have you got that? There we go. All right. And I've highlighted there in bold. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and humans and have overcome. That, guys, is the key I need you to grip on tonight. You have to get through the hole of the cocoon, okay? Someone starts cutting open the cocoon, they're going to leave you fat and dependent on them, okay? So, struggle is part and parcel of life, but you have to overcome. I'm going to give you an example. I've, um, I've got this young man in my life. His name is Toki. He's now 24. I know him since he's been in France since grade 10 because I, on Thursday evenings, I'm at Watercliffe High School. I, I, you know, work with the kids and pray for them and just care with them. And um, beginning of the year, he decided he's going to try rugby out once more and he got a bursary at Wits and he went there and he snapped his quad three times in two weeks. So his dream started crumbling and he had this little job at Wits, but it wasn't enough to sustain him. And I knew I can help this young man. I've got cash. I can help him. But I had to wait for him to ask me as well. Because I can't just cut open the cocoon, am I right? And I had to and he had other mentors as well that, that live um, further further away. Because both his he's got an interesting story, but his foster parent was all the time his real dad. Um, and he only found that out of a trick when his dad died. So he's got this amazing story. And, and he also, you know, became very wise through this. And the, 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 the mentors um, in Middleburg said to him, leave it, come here, get a safe job, just start earning money. And my first instinct was to tell him that as well. And it, the story came back to me. And I just thought, and I said to him, bait fast. Just bait fuss. And I actually didn't know how bad it was because he was floating, but he didn't have an actual place to live. So every day he packed his bag with three sets of clothes. He didn't know where he's going to sleep, at what friend he's going to crash that night. His stuff got stolen twice out of cars, so everything was gone, you know, and he only 
And he's because he only tells you later when he's gone through it. That's how that's how we are, me and him. And um, then at the middle of March, someone phoned him that works at the Lions Rugby Club, and that, that he was the um, the Corsair's father. What the hell is that in English? I don't know. <laughs> um, and and it was when Toki was at high school. This guy was his Corsair's father, and and he works now at Lions. And he says, Toki, what are you doing now? He goes, Toki's like, no, no, I'm at Wits, and I'm. He goes, don't you want to come and visit me at Ellis Park, man? And when he got there, it was an interview. And Rudolf Australia is sitting there, and, and they were looking for a um, team manager. And this is what Toki did at the Bulls Rugby Union as well. So he had his credentials. And two weeks later, he's in a flat. He's got a job. Um, he's still studying. And it's just because he overcame. He just put his head down and he overcame. So guys, the struggle is there. It's always going to be there. But just put your head down and keep on keeping on. But you guys know me. I always go, but there's a caution, all right? <laughs> you get people that create false struggles. All of us did that at one stage. And I love to get a bit of attention, am I right? But <laughs> the fruit of false struggles is they never overcome. They never get wiser. They're always dependent. Right, and they, there's a lot of manipulation usually in this experience. If you've experienced it with someone that's a false struggler, okay. So, so, so be careful. And I want to talk to my boys and girls here that are supermen and superwoman syndrome people. You always want to save, okay. And if you are that, who watched Bugs Life? That's Heimlich. I'll, I'll talk about him now, but just look at that. He came out of the cocoon, but his wings were like this, and he's flying, but look how many people <laughs> are holding him up. Yes. So if you constantly help them by opening the cocoon for them, you will be stuck with a fat butterfly with small wings. This will be you. You will constantly have to say to the guy, yes, you're flying, but meanwhile you are so drained. Okay, and this person just never gets it, and you know, so just by supermen and superwoman syndrome people, and we all are that at one stage, just make sure how you help the person. All right, don't jump in too quick, and if you become parents one day as well, hold back a bit with your kid. Hold back a bit. They must become a bit more wise before you jump in and ask them questions. If someone struggles, keep asking questions. What do you think? What do you think next? How are you going to do this? Are you sure? You know, and you just guide them rather than that you jump in and open that cocoon. At one stage, you can help, definitely. All right. I lavished Toki with duvets and pots and pans, and it was my biggest honor. But I didn't open his cocoon. All right. So, again... It's part and parcel of our life. Struggle is always going to be there. But please, please overcome it. All right? So overcome the cocoon effect. All right? Okay, let's pray. Yerabai, thank you. At the heel awesomeste is. In Father, at I for ons a manual gegeerd. Wat for ons weis, Yerabai, dat die lewe nie meer paradijs is nie, heren. En dat menselijke besluiten, ach, en net omstandighede, struggle, gaan aanbring, heren. Nie, of nie, maar wanneer. En dankie, heren, 
dat jy vir ons hierdie story, dat ek hierdie story ontdek het van die kakoen, hier, en dat ons moet sien dat ons daardoor moet gaan. Dit is nooit lekker nie, en ons wil vraag, vader, dat jy net saam met ons sal wees, en ons weet jy is, maar jyre, dat ons het sal onthou, en dat ons weet, jy is daar, jy het ons lief. Jyre, baie dankie vir jy sien wat op die kruis gesterf het, jyre, dat ons nie dier die struggle hoef te gaan nie, jyre. Dat ons hier kan sit en weet, die struggle is gedoen. Ek wil bid, jyre, dat jy saam met ons in die week sal gaan, en as ons dier struggles gaan, of ons oog gaan oop vir ander mense sy struggles, dat jy ons sal weis maak, vader en dat ons in een wijze manier sal bijstaan of sal deerdruk. Ons bid het in Jesus' naam. Amen.